0: Hey, invite the neighbors. DIY podcast is sponsored by two foot parade records. Uh, two foot parade records is based out of Kalamazoo, Michigan. For those of you not in Michigan, Kalamazoo is a real place. Um, I promise it's on the West side. Um, they have a new release on March 5th, um, which is a re-release of closet goths album called friendship village. And it's a tape that comes with a digital zine. So check that the fuck out. Um, and, uh, Gabe, let me know if you don't want me to say fuck during the ads. Uh, <laughs> but, anyways, they are a really cool um, record label. They're all about like kind of giving the power to the artists. Um, so, I mean, that's honestly great. And it lends itself to DIY bands. So, if you want to check them out, they, sub- they take submissions on their website, twofootparade.com. Um, and you can find all their stuff there. They have uh, Nest Lake recently put out a tape on the label. And uh, Worry Club also put out a tape recently on their record label. So, check out twofootparade.com
1: yo what's up this is benny from invite the neighbors and i'm doing the intro this week brian actually let me off my leash to do it um i wasn't around for this episode so i don't really know what they talked about kind of kind of some bullshit that i wasn't invited over but anyway um this is an interview brian did with sam yield it was really really sick i definitely listened to it before we put up this episode talking about the new record Terra astralis um Talk about what it means to be an artist. Talk about Greta Van Fleet, Radiohead, all the good shit, all the all the shit that you expect from the podcast. So uh, yeah, enjoyed the episode. It's really, really good. I was definitely around for it, even if I wasn't talking. I was there listening. And I've also got Brian tied up in duct tape on the couch right now. <laughs> Wait, is this a sponsored episode? Okay, this episode brought to you by Two Foot Parade Records. Okay, here we go.
0: <laughs> oh, just like that, dude. Appreciate you uh, being uh, patient with all the rescheduling <laughs> and stuff. Oh yeah, no problem. Life's getting wild, but uh, yeah. yeah, I yeah, I work a crazy job, dude. I work for Child Protective Services. Oh, it sucks. Yeah, so like that's why, you know, I'm not like I wasn't yanking your pain when <laughs> i said i oh, had some no, crazy you... shit going uh but yeah, yeah we I can want... only imagine yeah it's rough whatever though i'm not <laughs> i'm not one to complain about my job it is what it is but um <laughs> i was dude i was listening to your record uh tara australis earlier today <laughs> as in like five minutes ago <laughs> 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 to be honest with you but dude i really like it i'm gonna like start there i really like I got a really good impression of it. And um, I think I'm just going to tell you what I kind of thought and you can let me know how far off or on I am. Like I kind of heard like a little bit of like Kevin Devine meets like Elliot Smith. Um, I don't know if that rings a bell at all, but I just thought it was really, really good. Really kind of like a soothing sound with solid lyrics too.
2: Thanks so much. Um, I don't think I know Kevin Devine.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. He's more of like in the emo rock scene. He's not necessarily emo, okay. but he's he's more of like, he'll play solo tour where it's just like him and a guitar and got gotcha. great lyrics. He's based out of Brooklyn, pretty sure. Um, gotcha. Yeah. Where are you from, by the way?
2: I'm from New York. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, I This record I recorded in New Haven, actually, in Connecticut, but... um. But I grew up in New York and uh, was living there until pretty recently.
0: Okay. Yeah, I would check out uh, Kevin Devine. Like, if he has a live record on Spotify where it's just him and it's like a solo live record where he's playing at this church.
1: Hi, Kitty. That's but, awesome. Uh,
0: that's that's like a pretty good entry point. I think that I think you would get why I would make that comparison. It's a good comparison, in my opinion. Um. That's awesome but you know i'm a I'm a big lyric nerd myself, and uh I kind of wanted to start there so like I was listening like first song julia has i really like when lyrics has patterns um hmm. and you there's obvious a pattern to what you're doing there you know um and I thought I wanted to ask you a question because it, it, there's a sure? line a line like um like cloud consoles the sky and like the rain mm-hmm. consoles the, the rooftops and I thought that was interesting because cloud would make the sky like darker or like rain is not necessarily like something that you would view as a consolation so I was curious like what was the sort of like meaning behind that sort of uh, that uh you know those lines bringing them back like that
2: yeah I mean uh, one at least part of it to me is the idea that um uh, it's a merging of things together. Um, that constellation is something that happens um, when, um, you know, it's a, it's a, a, a integration of, of two different. You, you need essentially it's something that's hard to do in isolation. Um, and those are these uh, physical. Uh, occasions when one kind of thing sort of permeates and moves into or interfaces with another. And somehow that seems uh, like an integral part of what's going on. I mean, often when you're uh, the kinds of um, the kinds of uh, problems that are inherent in being a human being um, are difficult to uh, alleviate through, you know, good advice or or sort of the content of of what people are saying. Oftentimes, I think that uh, the what feels more like consolation is just a sense of um, another person
0: uh, sort of being in the same space as you. Yeah, yeah, I can I, I get that. I'm glad that you explained it because honestly, like at first glance, like for first listen, I mean um the lyrics have like this quality to them where you might not understand them at first and i'm that's what that's honestly just my perspective like i didn't but it was like they're interesting and they're artistic like you can i sound so stupid saying that i'm trying to think of a better way to articulate it but no, like no. <laughs> you know like i just got the sense of like this this is poetic and like i mean the the thing the thing you mentioned that you
2: know, usually you think, you know, like rain is a gloomy day or something. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, that's another side of it that I was thinking about that obviously there's like, um, you know, something. uh, A little there's tension, like a a kind of oxymoronic quality to that,
0: to, to that whole song. Um, Yeah. And it's kind of like a gloomy sort of, sad happy sort of vibe though it's like i, I really like that I, I try to go for that a lot in my own music um sort of like it sounds sad but kind of hopeful at the, like soothing it's like kind of embracing sort of like melancholy can act as like a soothing catharsis cathartic sort of thing and i definitely got that impression too um Especially like like the way the, the vocals are very soothing, with like the doubling and stuff. That's what made me think of Elliot Smith. Um, right. Easy to digest, sounds nice. Um, like I said, like 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 a good poem. You can read it once, and not have any clue what it means. To like read it again and again, but you can still know that it's good. <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, sure. And that's kind of are what I other, thought about the
2: lyrics. One other thing I'll say that I was thinking about in that in that song was. That it's also, I mean, basically it's a song about being the person who's trying to be there for someone else and feeling um, uh, that, you know, th- it's in some ways yeah. an impossible thing to alleviate, oh. um, you know, the, uh, to, uh, to, to really console someone else. And so that's the you know, another thing I was thinking about. With you know, uh, there's something that seems uh, it's another uh, side of those comparisons that I was thinking about. I guess that it's something inherently like problematic about the whole project. Yeah, of no, someone.
0: I, I get that. Like I think, like the most you can do sometimes is just offer your consolation. Right. The efforts of consolation as consolation, but like knowing that the only way to actually console someone is to like give them the space to be themselves. Yep. Um, a lot of times, you know, like you're saying, it's, it's impossible. Like, you know, somebody, like, if you lose somebody or something like that, you can't really console them either for them, but at the time, you're sad just hearing about it. So it's almost like maybe an extension of their fear, it's like being there to empathize mm-hmm. rather than fix. Sure. Yeah. So that makes sense, actually. Uh, Yeah, I was just having a hard time articulating it. I always say the dumbest sounding shit sometimes, dude. I'll be like, that (laughs) That, sounds good. Yeah. Pretty
2: much life is just a series of dumb sounding shit. Yeah. Uh, One after another. That's my experience of it anyway.
0: Yeah, it's funny because like, I I talk like a moron a lot of times because I'm not thinking really hard and I'm not like, um, (laughs) I'm not. Uh, editing, you know, like I write lyrics. I'm a, like I said, I'm a lyric nerd, and whatever end people end up reading is like revision after revision after revision. Sure. So it's like, right. yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's poetic. But then it like I'm always self conscious that like, am I creating a uh, like a, an expectation that I'm going to be able to speak this profoundly in my <laughs> daily life? Like, because that's not gonna happen. <laughs> but um, yeah, but I was gonna um. Another thing I looked into because I I do my homework sometimes. Uh, mm-hmm. Terra Australis. So I looked it up. The name given to uh, this is, I'm reading off the internet right. Now. Oxford mm-hmm. re, Oxford reference. The name given to the great and unknown southern continent required by the classical Greek geography. Who knew that the Earth was spherical to balance the landmass known the equator. So it's basically like this imagined like southern continent or like the South Pole yeah. or something like that. And so. Yeah. I'm wondering why you chose that title and like how does that work into your record?
2: Yeah. So uh yeah, people really believed that this place must exist. And in the um sort of early modern period, there were uh people tried to find it. You know, they would went on these long expeditions and um mostly they just found, you know what's there which is nothing just these fields fields of ice flows and then at the same time it was um a place that uh where uh where writers imagined utopian societies it was a it was a, it was a sort of location that you could use as um a setting for uh for an imagined uh place where everything is structured correctly and and uh uh and things fundamentally make sense and so that kind of um tension in the way that the that this idea served uh uh interested me and um it was also i uh, you know the um it, it was it's it's a place where uh, these huge flocks of birds you know not obviously the place doesn't exist but that part of the world is is a place where these huge flocks of bird birds um, uh, migrate for the winter and so it's like a, a haven in a way but it's also uh, a, a place that uh, it's impossible almost for uh, people to exist and, uh, so it's a it's you know a sort of uh, well, not of contradictions, and the so I, uh, that's that's what initially interested me about me about it, and then um, more concretely in uh, the song of Winter Country. That's sort of the basic; it's part of the basic metaphor of that song.
0: Um, yeah, I like where, the idea. Oh, sorry. No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just saying, I like the idea of like this imagine, like this actual, even though it's not a real place, like, but this concrete place that they imagine as like a metaphor right. for like utopia general, like this, this idealized, like this place that like is basically the culmination of all the idealizations that we make about what would be like the perfect place and like the safe haven that it doesn't actually exist, could not exist. But it's, Right. but the, the also the idea that like people would just go on these like, expeditions and probably risk their mm-hmm. lives yeah. trying to find this place that was never there in the first place yeah um, and
2: yeah and to me um, so I, I I guess I kind of see the whole album as um, a, a sort of response to the to that to the first song to Julie and a response to the sort of idea that um, that ultimately the, the uh, consolation is not a thing that that can happen for human. That, that, um, that's not a part of the, uh, the the problems inherent in being a human being are just uh, beyond the reach of uh, of consolation and. The album, the album to my mind, is a kind of response to that. That reaches a sort of nadir in the in the in the middle, with a um, winter country, which is, uh, which I don't know. I don't know if I want to go too much into what that's about, but but that um, uh, that place that is supposed to be a haven and is actually. um a, a, an emptiness is uh, sort of uh, one of the main ideas of that song and then sort of maybe turns is also kind of like the hinge where where in, in my thinking of the, about the album it kind of turns
0: yeah I think too um, that kind of makes me think this is like a um, concept that I've sort of written about too is that I mean this is like a loose parallel but the idea that like when you're constantly trying to make things okay, you never will be. and So, like mm. constantly looking for that place, whether like literally or mm. more more appropriately, like metaphorically, you're never gonna find it. Right. So, part of like yeah, you know, the journey of finding true happiness. Me in my life, and thing I've written about is giving in. To this idea that not everything's going to be okay, and like once you learn to live okay. in the reality of things are not okay. You can actually, ironically, find some semblance of okay, Mm -hmm. which I that that kind of resonated with me because of that.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. But um, so what what kind of got you into um, into this project? Um, I saw on Spotify you had like a couple couple releases um last year, and I'm curious, like, what was your musical sort of journey before? this record and the stuff last year and like, did you have solo ventures before or was this kind of your first go around with that?
2: Um, yeah. So this project is, is sort of something I've been working on for about 10 years actually. And when I first started playing music, um, I thought, okay, I'll play this kind of um, solo material. And um then, pretty quickly, I started playing in um other projects and bands, and that those became uh, more of a focus for me. but I always had in um, uh, at some in some part of my mind that this idea oh but but you know as soon as I have more free time, i'm gonna um finish this other thing and um you know so i uh, in fact I mean, uh, some of the songs that are on this album i mean most of them are uh, uh were written sort of over the course of a pretty long period of time some the, the oldest ones are about probably ten years old and the newest ones are you know from last year um, yeah but that in- that entire time um you know I probably had like uh five or six different what I thought at the time were finished versions of the album that I was making, you know, and had different songs on it and, um, different recordings. And, um, so, uh, yeah, it was, it was a, um, a, a recurring theme, uh, throughout that whole time that this was something that I was felt like, always felt like I was on the verge of finally, you know, crossing some kind of decisive boundary with, but, and never quite able to.
0: So when you when you finally did decide, like you said, you had maybe like a couple different versions of it where you felt like, yeah. okay, this is close. When you finally decided on like the actual track list, and would, the way it exists now, did you was that recorded? You said it was recorded at the studio in New Haven. Was that kind of one group of sessions, or was it like uh, recordings well, it, that were like compiled from different sessions? Or
2: I I actually recorded um, most of it at home uh and very much not in one in one uh deficient swoop um it was basically basically for for several months over the summer of last year um uh, is when I did most of the recording for uh for, for most of the songs but there are there are parts of um a couple of them that are that are old tracks that um
0: that I recorded years ago. Oh okay. Yeah cuz like I think another thing that made me think too is like when it comes like a first record like I just finished my first record and I'm putting it out later this year but like it took probably you know like 5 or 6 years <laughs> to write mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and now I'm now I'm thinking like I'm not going to give myself another 6 years to write another album. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, like it's 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 easy with the first one because like people don't know who you are and You uh Yeah, there's no expectation sort of Yeah. I
2: mean that's of course the that's yeah, in a way that's what's easy about it. In a way that's also a hindrance because you constantly feel like, well, you know, uh why not push it off for another month or another month after that and so on.
0: Yeah, and you fall into the trap because you'll never actually be satisfied. Like I know that this record I'm putting out is like at a certain point you just have to hit the eject button and just hand it over to the people. You know, yeah, like, I mean, it's never, never going to be what you fully a hundred percent want it. Cause that doesn't exist. Like that's the metaphor you're talking mm-hmm. about, you know?
2: <laughs> yeah. That's something I've t- definitely struggled with. Um, and I can't say that I feel like I've, um, figured out for myself what, what the correct way to negotiate that balance is because, um, I, f- what, when, when I was working on this very oftentimes you know i talk to someone about it and I say oh yeah you know you gotta just put it out there um and uh, i definitely see the um that uh that it's easy to go too far in the other direction to obsess over a project and keep revising it and you know until you've just annihilated the whole thing um but um yeah, I don't know. It's just, there's, some, there's some kind of balance to strike there, which I don't feel like I have a great grasp on.
0: Right. It's it's. I, I think it helps to have other people whose opinions you kind of trust. And it's good that's to right. have like a, a producer if if that's something mm-hmm. that you can afford or whatever. But like someone to kind of bounce it off of, and someone to tell you, like, okay, now you're just crazy. Like this is done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, like, I mean that's one that's of the nice things about playing.
2: Yeah, this is one of the nice things about playing in a band too, which is that you have other people closely involved who uh who are as invested in uh the thing you're doing as you are, and who can provide, you know, not an external perspective, but um a different perspective.
0: Yeah. And you know, too, like for the first release, I do think it is important to obsess over it a little bit more. At least I think like one of my criticisms of, of bands like local you know ish like local level bands or whatever you want to call it is mm-hmm. they put out a first release and it just feels rushed a lot of the time it just feels like it could have been done better like even even with within the means that they use I'm like it just could have right. been done better and just like i mean on one hand it's almost like we're conditioned to expect that from a first release but just putting in more time and effort into something we'll fine tuning yeah, the details It's tough because
2: what you're trying to accomplish with the first release, I think, varies a lot from uh, band to band. And I I think a lot of times, you know, if you're, um, because this sort of uh, spectrum from being, you know, a project that's working totally on your own without any kind of label support or anything like that, and you're just starting out, the spectrum from there to a band that's like more established and has assigned to a label and has a little bit more of an apparatus around them is so, um, fine grained. And it's not just like a single jump that you often find, you know, it's not totally clear at first, like where you, where, um, the sort of starting point is for you. So I feel like a lot of bands will put out an early release that's basically just saying, Hey, we exist, you know, uh, You can look us up if, if you know, there's something to look up if you look us up. Uh, if you want to get a sense of, like, what this entity is that is our band, there's something there, you know. And then it's, you know, going to be, like, the record after that or the next one. That's more of, like, the sort of um, uh, real statement of, you know, here's uh, the thing that we've... Uh, yeah. No,
0: I know what before. you mean. No, you mean I, I think, like maybe yeah, putting. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh no, yeah, just yeah. It's just it's just a
2: strange gray area to, to my mind.
0: Yeah, I think like you know, I completely agree with what you're saying as far as like, just putting something out just to say like you said, hey, I exist. We exist. Whatever. Um, sometimes I think like, bands. My criticism of it is like that could be instead of taking taking say like you have a finite amount of time no no more no <laughs> less to record your first hey we exist type of release i think bands sometimes will make that into four songs that sound okay when they could make one right, or two right. that sound awesome
2: yeah
0: you know yeah, no, i think that's that's a good point um and that's a, that's a thing too and i think especially nowadays like I, i'm a, I'm a full, like full album nerd like i like concepts i like fleshed out blah 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 but also like there's Obviously, something said for the single <laughs> in in yeah, today's times. I mean, <laughs> the way people consume shit yeah,
2: definitely it's tough because that's something I, you know, I struggle
0: with, with yeah,
2: um the I, I mean I feel like I'm in a pretty similar boat where I think there's a lot to be said for albums as a way of listening to music um and also writing music, but the reality is. Most people, that's not how they're going to experience it.
0: Right. And I thought about um, I've just like, you know, like how back in the day, like, like, literally, like the days of like Charles Dickens, like when Tale of Two Cities and that stuff was released, it was released like chapter by chapter in a newspaper. Yeah. Like, what if bands did that? Like, they released an entire album just song by song, like one at a time in order. Like, yeah, kind of, it's a cool idea. You know what I mean? I'm thinking about doing that just because like if anyone wants to steal that idea, by all means because I'm stealing it from <laughs> Charles Dickens. So <laughs> the,
2: the hard part there is that Dickens had they had cliffhangers, you know. The Yeah. All those yeah. all those kinds of stories, you know, uh that's why all those novels from the nineteenth century, they're they're full of cliffhangers at the end of every chapter. But it's hard to write a cliffhanger into the end of a song, I feel.
0: Right. Yeah. Although the only like trans, um, not translation, the only equivalent would just be like making shit that's so good, which, which is a stupid right. thing to say anyway, because that's what everyone's trying to do anyway. Right. You know what I mean? It's just so good that you yeah. want more, leave them wanting more. If it's a concept record, then yeah, maybe, you know, right. But,
2: but yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the, the parts of a, of a full record that are nice that, that, um, often it's like, Um, you know, maybe listening to a bunch of songs that are meant to go together uh, brings out some different shade in them or puts one song in a different light when you listen to it with another one. But it's um, much less that sense of, like, really concrete continuity from, you know, song one to song ten that you get in, like, something that's really serialized. So that's... I mean and that's I think one of the reasons why the album is a less robust format to begin with you know then you know uh, there's all sorts of serialized and long form um, art in our that, that's very popular in our society you know but uh, but a lot of it relies on the strength of um, really uh concrete continuities and you know. Uh, that feeling of something's left unresolved, and you want to, you know, find out how what the resolution is going to be the next time, and so on.
0: Yeah, I think it's and worth. Not, I, I I see what you're saying entirely because like there's no way to do it as um like concretely and like distinctly serialized with like with obvious tie-ins from one um, right. installment to the other. But I also think that there's something to be said for, like, there's a lower expectation with that in music. Like, sure. music, oftentimes, you'll see, like... I saw a band, for instance, like, their, their artwork was the same style as, like, an old-school playbill, and, mm-hmm. like, the liner notes were structured, like, scenes, or, like, you know, like a script-type thing. Like, there's less of an expectation that it, there's, like, a one-to-one sort of translation. In music, like I think you can sort of just kind of uh steal the aesthetics of something. So like you <laughs> can kind of just like borrow the aesthetics and like borrow the concept from like a serialized novel without having the same expectation of like yeah, yeah concrete resolutions from one thing to the next. It's more of just like a oh that's a cool nod to that thing, even though it's not necessarily like each song leads perfectly into the next unless you're radiohead um but yeah so i mean i think it's worth a try i mean i'd be curious to see like what how that was received you know um yeah but yeah i'm just curious like too. um speaking of like books and artsy shit like that i'm kind of curious like again like i said i'm gonna set it again i'm a lyrical nerd and uh what i'm curious like cuz i really like your lyrics and i'm wondering what got you into writing was it was it another musician or was it like poetry as you're growing up or like kind of what what got you writing in the first place
2: um well yeah i don't know if i have a, a, a an extremely satisfying answer but i can say that it wasn't um it wasn't listening to lyrics and I find that when I listen to, um, music, even music that's, um, very sort of lyrics forward, that's the last part that, that really registers with me. And, um, most of the music that, uh, is sort of the closest to me or strikes home the most with me, I find that it's, uh, sometimes even despite you know in uh, despite the lyrics if anything so um yeah i mean when i uh uh i think uh when i uh, before i ever sort of uh imagined to myself that i would uh invest in trying to make um trying to sort of take music seriously uh, I guess I had imagined that I would try to take writing seriously. So that was, I think, an earlier sort of, um, uh, that was
0: maybe an earlier dream of mine, I guess. Okay. Did you, did you get, uh, get any schooling for it at all?
2: Uh, yeah, that's when I was in, uh, undergrad, that's, that was, uh, basically my major.
0: Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I... I- I was a minor in it, and I probably should have. I, I minored in creative writing and really wish that I would have. Uh, I majored in psychology, and I was like, I have no intent that at <laughs> <Right>. all. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you
0: know? I have sort of mixed feelings about that as, like, um, a
2: sort of academic pursuit. I don't know. Uh, it's, an, it's an interesting kind of class to take. I think that the culture of writing classes is a little, a little bit unique um yeah <laughs> at least at least in my experience um and i had a lot of friends who were in um involved in uh, other kinds of arts classes where you would also have some uh classes that are that are structured in in a sort of uh, ostensibly similar way where you know you you you're critiquing each other and someone brings in their work and you talk about it um and uh those always seem to have a very different kind of feel uh, a vibe to me uh, from what I could tell as compared to um, the classes I was in. Um, I feel like in other disciplines, there's this kind of like uh, gladiatorial, um, uh, almost animosity sometimes in the way people <laughs> yeah. like, uh I don't know. There's something confrontational about it. And in the classes I was in, um, there was not that feeling, but there was somehow like, they they got real personal.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because like, you know, you're like 20, 21. Yeah. You're like, you're, your ego is still completely unchecked for the most part. Like, you're like, that's for me, at least when I was in those classes, like that was at a time when like, I felt too confident for what I was, oh, yeah. you know? Nice. And then you, you, you're looking at every, like anyone brings in a poem or something like I, I'll speak specifically for this poetry wor- workshop I was in, like anybody that like you could tell they were trying, it was just like, ugh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I had, I had these exacting specifications, like this needs to be effortlessly beautiful or I'm going to shit all over it. And it's yeah. such a stupid uh, mentality and it's yeah. so competitive yeah. and nonsense, you know, but I totally get mm-hmm. that sort of like latent animosity <laughs> towards anyone. Yeah. Trying. I don't know. It's, yeah. Uh,
2: and it's not, it's not totally clear to me. Um, at least, I mean, I remember also when I was in those classes, you know, you'd, you'd sometimes read stuff written by, uh, you know, established writers and so on who said, Oh yeah, no, there's baloney. You can't, you can't learn this stuff. You can't teach it. And that always felt kind of, uh, stymieing. I don't, I'm not sure exactly. Uh, I mean, th- th- when I think back about it, I'm not sure how much of a, um, I'm not sure how, how much those classes improved my writing per se, but they definitely were, um, and offered all kinds of other insights.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> i think too um like i i still dabble in poetry here and there like i have a a fake name instagram so none of my friends know stuff <laughs> so I, where i'll post some stuff and uh but one thing i noticed like on instagram it's there's this complete bastardization of poetry in general like people like some of the most followed um uh, poetry accounts that i see like not that instagram should be where we're going to look for good poetry but like Right It's like literally a just purse sentence that's just the lines are broken up. so it looks like a right. stanza, but there's no rhyme right. scheme. There's no real like um insight. It's just like some cliche that they cut it up into three word lines, put a period at the end, and it's like, oh my God. Like, oh, it's so profound, right. And I'm right. just like, what's the what? the fuck is this? dude.
2: it's just yeah it's 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 this rough i mean i think i I always felt kind of jealous of people of of um like people who were writing around like the early 20th century all those people had these really involved uh kind of grandiose theories about what they were doing and you know the significance of it and um that uh you know, the, these theories that reach into, you know, like, uh, history has this certain shape and this is what, uh, how poetry fits into that. And, you know, the soul is this kind of thing. And uh, this is why poetry is necessary to that. And these, um, that kind of uh, almost naive belief in the, uh, uh, reach and and significance of what you're doing I think yeah. is uh hard to hard to reestablish nowadays.
0: Um yeah well I think people it's actually it's it's almost gone on steroids and other forms of art where like okay so this is gonna sound bad. I, I okay, let me preface this. I like contemporary art. <laughs> I like this going is- and looking at it, but like the idea that any of it means anything like in terms of like that it has any sort of influential significance is just utter just nonsense like well right i mean the other side of
2: it is is that around the same time i mean i feel like there, this transition happened where um the art that that sort of um reported to be the most significant the most um pioneering and groundbreaking you know I'm like i'm thinking of like you know like modernist period those people at the same time as they were saying that stuff were involved in the process of cloistering art and and turning it into um this um essentially uh, product that would justify the existence of an academic apparatus around it you know you uh, yeah. that that essentially um justifies uh, the, the jobs of critics and, uh, y- you know,
0: teachers, the self-sustaining ecosystem sort of thing.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously it's also like connected to like just the, the way that money flowed around art has changed and, Oh yeah. That there was ever like a good, a, a great system, but you did wind up with this funny consequence where the art that's in some ways, um, at least supposedly the most, um, Sort of uh, 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 at odds with the status status quo and and trying to make something that's vital and new is doing it off in this little corner somewhere uh, surrounded by a scaffolding of um, people who make a living interpreting it or evaluating it yeah, and meanwhile, like everyone else is. Uh, uh getting, reading their poetry on Instagram,
0: yeah, <laughs> and like a lot of times the people they're insulated because the people the only like the only way that your interpretation of some of art, which is complete oxymoron as to consider someone's interpretation is going to be more valuable than another because it's art, um but it's like people go to school to learn about what is being what the art is supposed to mean. And so it's like if you don't have a certain education on what it's supposed to mean, then you're going to have the wrong interpretation of it, which I think is ludicrous. Like, I think uh, the mark of truly great art is that it jumps out at you and it doesn't require a bachelor's level education to understand, you know, like.
2: yeah, Not not, not always,
0: always, but like, I just think that what I'm trying to get at is like with certain contemporary art, it's like. There's like this air of oh, you just don't get it because you didn't go to school for this. That In that way, it's right, kind of right. insulated.
2: Well it reminds me also, I mean, and so another thing that I feel like happened is that you used to have I mean the idea that that um, poetry would would need or or other kinds of arts would need this really in-depth um, interpretation for the for the reader or listener or whoever to get something out of it is relatively recent. And before that, you know a poem might tell a story or something and it was sort of assumed that, yeah, anyone can get a, well, uh, you know, if you're going to elucidate it, you're going to maybe talk about, um, sort of like the lessons that can be learned from it or something like that, rather than the, uh, you know, so that, that uh, criticism used to be more about edifying than about, uh, interpreting in the, in the sort of modern sense. And, um, then you had this whole wave of people, making art that sort of went to battle with those traditional ways of doing things. And during the, during that battle, everyone knew the old sort of norms and, and expectations. And so the art that, that um, flouted them seemed that, that flouting seemed vital and, and comprehensible, but, but the, um, the flouters won, you know, and now everyone (laughs) accepts that. Yeah. You know, if you want to call it art, you know we're not going to have a um, uh, we're not going to go to war over uh, what you want to call art or what a gallery is allowed to put on its wall or anything like that. And you know, if you want to put like old chicken feet on a pedestal and call that your statue, you know, no one's gonna no one's gonna stop you. Yeah. Um, but it means that um, the conflict, you know, the drama of that conflict is no longer um, uh, it's kind of evaporated. And yeah. uh, if you want to generate um, new conflict and new drama out of that kind of battling out of um, uh, wrestling with the existing expectations of norms, the the norms that, and expectations that you're going to be battling with are much more um narrowly known, you know, they're going to be the ones that you learned about when you were in, in art school or something like that, um, because there's no longer this sort of, um, yeah, it's just much harder to carry on, it's just much hard, much harder to make um, being avant-garde or being or, or breaking with expectation feel as, um, as alarming as it did, as it once did.
0: Yeah. And I think too, like I've toured different, um, like there's this school I'm into the Detroit area and there's this school in the rich suburbs, um, called Cranbrook. And it's like a, uh, it's a private institution. There's like mm-hmm. a high school and like a, a liberal arts college there. And I did like an art, a tour of the art school when like all the students were doing an exhibition. And I just felt uh, obviously, this is just one example, you know, but i I just felt like a a real lack of like a sense of humor around what was happening like I just felt like I don't know, like I think it's possible so like I think of like the example of there was that art installation that was getting press a few years ago where it was like banana duct taped to a wall, and someone called it, oh yeah, <laughs> the comedian is the name of it, the comedian, right. and so I was like, all right, dude." and you're going to sell that for 20 grand. How do you one how do you transport it? Like there's so much inherent humor in that and if like if you don't understand that because like you're too pretentious like that's what I don't like if if you want to make that and you want to say that's art, fine. But don't pretend that it's not pretentious. Like don't pretend that it's 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 okay to have pretense. <laughs> it's okay. Like it's okay to be made fun of and it's okay to acknowledge like yeah, this is kind of right. crazy, but I still think it means something. Like I respect the hell out of that perspective. Like even to take it back to music like yeah. i'm i'm trying to make something and i'm sure you can relate to this like i'm trying to make something that means a lot to, me. like it's super emotional yeah. and it's super. but if i can't laugh about that at the same time if i can't like laugh at the obvious contradiction of how i carry myself in my daily life which is like a silly goose and like the art that <laughs> i'm trying to make is then i'm then i'm just i'm a hypocrite in my own eyes you know like i i I think it's more endearing. Like, I think a lot more people would, would be open to these things if it wasn't, like, this um, closed off, like, either you get it or you don't type of attitude towards it. Like, I think if, if you just acknowledge that it's not for everybody and and that you only own 50% of it and the other people, 50% of what you, the art you make is owned by the people who are interpreting it, and so no interpretation is 100% wrong in that way. I don't know mm-hmm. if that makes sense, but... Yeah, yeah. I think just like opening ourselves up to that a little bit as artists kind of just having a sense of humor about like, you know, I I think that if you if you make something and someone interpret if enough people interpret it one way that you think is the wrong interpretation, it's like you just didn't do a good enough job of saying what you wanted to say. Like if you if you left it open enough to where it's like everyone's interpreting it a way that you didn't intend, like you just didn't do it right. And that's okay. You know, that's why you keep making more. (laughs) and You get better. But yeah for sure yeah
2: it's it yeah i do think that it's um it's another balance that's that's hard to strike uh but it's there used to be i think more clear models a more a more clear sorting system you know there's high art and low art and if you want to be really serious about your art then you do this and if you want to just make um uh popular art or something that's not quote-unquote serious you do that and everyone felt pretty confident about what the differences were. And now um, it's the the categories are much more fractured and it's, it's uh, you're constantly having to, to try to strike these these balances. You know, are you, if you want to, um, you know, how do you be take yourself? How do you, how do you um, allow yourself pretense and um, try to, You know, and and ignore that voice that says, "Oh, if you're trying, then you're an asshole." And you know, actually, (laughs) really try uh, to do something that is, you know, to you at least serious, um, without falling into these, you know, this little cloistered in club kind of um, kind of way of doing things that's exclusive and is not really for anyone but yourself. Or if how do you, on the other hand, make work that's um uh open and and you know generous in that way of you know like trying to uh, uh be welcoming and inviting to uh to to everyone without falling into the sort of like saccharine nonsense of uh the uh
0: you know instagram uh right. I'm going to steal the phrase yeah. saccharine nonsense, by the way. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, like to, to dumb it down for people who are getting bored by this. Uh, I always forget that there's actual people listening at some point. All right. sure. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I just think, uh, I, I think that for me, it's just like finding the balance, being serious and avoid being so far up your own ass that you can't hear the critics, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Y- yeah. you know? <laughs> And I, I think another thing too that is interesting. I'm curious about your take on it. Is um, I, I, in terms of like categorizing art, in terms, of you talk, you talk about like high art versus low art and things like that. And obviously, there's the term kitsch, which is like junk mm-hmm. art. Where is that line? You know what I mean? Like where? Obviously, it's all going to be on a spectrum to a degree. But like, I think of like the Doja Cats of the world and uh, just like other like <laughs> like that. To me. I don't know. This is where I'm pretentious, but I see it and I'm just like, that sucks objectively. Like that is just bad. (laughs) And there's no redeeming quality other than like, you can shake your ass to it. And I just, I can't articulate it, but it just fascinates me to think about. And I wouldn't dare to, you know what I mean? I wouldn't dare to presume that I know I can articulate why it's not art. It just, to me, it's not, it doesn't like fall into like what I would, think is like has artistic merit and i don't think it's even going for it but it's just it it brings up this question and that fascinates me of like where do you draw the line on like what has artistic merit and like what is just um just commercial noise masquerading as art if if that if i can pass that you know what i mean yeah
2: well geez
0: (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's tough it's tough there's no answer you know what i mean there's not an yeah. answer to that question. It's just, it's one of those things that everyone, I guess, decides for themselves, but it's an argument that you'll never, win. like, it's its a pointless pursuit to, like, yeah, I mean, discuss it with some, a fan. Right.
2: I mean, I don't know. On some level, everyone's, um, on some level, everyone's a relativist who thinks they're not, you know, everyone has their yeah. own private criteria that, um... That they, that they use to, to sort things these kinds of ways, you know, and this is what I like, this is what I don't like. But you can't go through your life really thinking that your opinions are totally um, unique to yourself and, and have no application for anyone else. So um, you have to sort of allow yourself to feel like I prefer this and not that because there's something about them that's objectively, you know, this one's better and this one's worse or whatever it is. But yeah. I don't know it's it's uh, but it's tough to um, it's tough to actually come up with what you know a set of rules that everyone can agree on
0: right. yeah, it's it's an impossible to you know, I think you know at the end of the day, like you something you said the struck the court is like you can't think too highly of your own opinions. like I think I could, I mean, you know, I'm a pretty educated person. let's say I can hold a decently intelligent conversation, but at the end of the day, I'll get along just on a personal level a lot better with like a quote unquote moron who is (laughs) is aware of the invalidity of their own opinions over someone who's super smart, but just thinks everything they think is just the shit, you know, I I can't identify with that, you know, it's just no fun to be around people like that you know i think uh, in general that's a way to kind of wrap up the idea it's just like you know you're just understand that no matter what no matter how how much education you have in a particular subject or art especially when it's so um you know vague to begin with but like just understanding that your own opinions are not subjective i mean objective truth or all just like subjective yeah Yeah. but um for sure but yeah i want to uh start wrapping up here almost about the hour mark that's correct Start to cut it off, but um, yeah. I mean, I I appreciate you coming on, and like, I definitely appreciate this type of conversation. That's one of the reasons I started the podcast to like force these conversations upon myself. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, but yeah. Yeah, Thanks so
2: much for having
0: me. Yeah, and if if, was there anything else like about the record that you wanted to like dive into at all, or like anything that we missed, and if not, you can just kind of like plug where people find it and all that stuff.
2: Well, I will, I'll just mention, uh, that I probably would never have been finished and released if not for, um, Plastic Miracles, which is the label that put it out. Um, and it's run by, um, Elise from Oceanator. I don't know if you know that band. Um, but Oceanator is great. Plastic Miracles is great. Um, a bunch of stuff on there that's worth checking out. So I highly recommend that. Um, and, uh. Yeah, you know, it's on the internet. Look on the internet for it.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll
0: uh it's called um Terra Australis. I oh, should probably say what it's
2: called. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was called remember. Terra Australis and and I'm called Sam Yield. But I guess it'll say that.
0: Yeah, I I record intros and stuff. Right. Well, like I'm kind of <laughs> like I'll brief them at the very Sometimes I forget and there's like no context whatsoever. That was when I was a rookie podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> now i'm a, now i'm a pro minus the money uh right
2: <laughs> that's that's i feel like so many people are pros minus the money you know dude yeah <laughs> that's the world we live in now is uh people who are doing some of the raddest shit
0: are uh, pros minus the money yeah you know for me in the podcast i've just i'm coming up with a plan to just start pouring money into it because i'd rather <laughs> die broke trying something than to, like, right. you know what I mean? Like, have all the traffic oh, sure. luxury and hate my life, you know? Yeah, so. I
2: mean, that's... Yeah, you, you gotta have something that you really believe is worth working on or else what are you doing?
0: Yeah. I'm just jealous of my friends that, like, straight up, all they ever wanted to do was be an attorney. Now they're fucking killing it.
2: <laughs> <You know? Right>. <laughs> <laughs> Although I have to say, it sounds like, you know, working in... Uh, what was it? Child Protective Services. That doesn't seem like a trivial kind of way to spend your time.
0: It's not. It's just I don't want to do it anymore. I never wanted to do it. Gotcha. I take yeah. it seriously, don't get me wrong. It's just I've Right, right. I'm no, coming out that of that. Yeah, I figured like I need some I need a, a way to financially fund the shit I actually want to do. And if I right. can like make some sort of difference at the same time. Cool. That's my rationalization. Right, right. That makes not, sense. But um but yeah, dude, I appreciate it. I'll let you know. This will probably be I have like a Three or four episodes probably out um, ahead okay. of yours, but when when it is time, you know, I'll I'll let you know and I'll tag you. Uh, awesome. I post the episodes everywhere, so I'll tag you. You'll see it.
2: Awesome. All right. Well, well, thanks so much for
0: uh, for doing this. Yeah, I was glad we could have you on, man. You have a good one. See All right. Later. Okay. Thanks for listening to that one. If uh, if you are a contemporary artist and you were offended by anything I said in that episode, good um follow us on instagram invite the neighbors pod on twitter at itn pod why why are people on twitter why would you follow a podcast on twitter by the way but anyways do that because it raises my self-esteem i guess i don't know but Instagram's where it's at that's where we kind of post most of the stuff. twitter's twitter sucks and that's what i'm going to leave this episode at um check out sam yield's record tarot stralis really really good lyricism um you know what dude? Goodbye. <laughs> I, I never know how to, do I even need to do outros? I don't even know I don't even know like what what do you want to hear? Uh, whatever dude. Just just follow us on Spotify so you don't miss an episode. Rate a review. Bye. I love you.